Can you hear me online? We apologize to all our viewers. Uh, our feed was, or our microphone actually wasn't working last week, so hopefully it works today. I uh, want you to turn in, in, in your Bible to the book of Nahum. And believe it or not, that is a book in the Bible. So um, try to find it and work on it. Um, probably not a book that uh, you may have studied much or thought much about. Um, Anybody in here want to raise your hand and admit that you didn't know that Nahum was a book in the Bible? All right, we got one hand back there. Somebody's willing. Um, if, uh, if you looked at it and you asked Jonah, which we talked about uh, several weeks ago, the prophet Jonah, what his favorite book in the Bible was, and he still had his earthly mindset, of course. Hopefully by this time, it was 150 years later. He had a heavenly mindset, so he didn't think that way anymore. But he would have said Nahum was his favorite book of the Bible because Nahum prophesies judgment on the, on the capital of Assyria, Nineveh. And, uh, and Jonah was told to go to Nineveh and, uh, and, and just tell him, you got 40 days and, uh, when judgment's coming. But Jonah didn't want to because he didn't want the Ninevites to be saved. Uh, and he goes and preaches the bare bones minimum message, and Nineveh repents and turns to the Lord and are saved. And that Jonah, we, as far as we know, Jonah was never happy about that. Uh, and so he would have loved the book of Nahum because Nahum says basically the message is it's too late. God's judgment is coming upon you, and there's there's no stopping it. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, as we study this passage today, and we're going to just begin looking at the first seven verses, there's only three chapters. And so, uh, pretty, pretty quick to, uh, to, to listen to it this week on a Bible app or to just read through it or whatever you want to do. Uh, but, but encourage you to do so. It's a strong message of coming judgment. And it's not about this might come anymore. It's, this is happening. God is bringing judgment against this nation because of their sin and disobedience. And so we think about it was just 150 years later that Jonah saw a great revival there. He didn't want it to happen. He, he hated the Ninevites. Uh, he didn't want them to be saved. And they were a terrible people. They were brutal. And, uh, and you can study what we know about them from history and realize that uh, that this was a worthy judgment, obviously. Um, and, uh, and so Jonah had the right to, or, you know, humanly speaking, he could be justified in his anger about the Ninevites. And yet God uh, spared those that repented uh, in the time of Jonah. But just 150 years later, they're back, I guess, worse than where they were. And God is bringing a certain judgment upon them. And it should somewhat give us chills as we think about America. We're 245 years old as a nation. Uh, and, um, and look at where we've come from and where we are going. And, uh, you know, the systematic depravity uh, in our world today. That it's obvious that everyone is being conditioned more and more to go against the Word of God. Uh, to go against and, and uh, um, you know and to start as young as possible teaching people that the word of God is nonsense and the way of the world is wisdom. 
Um, and, uh, and so think about that and, uh, and, and where we are. And, and, uh, and you know, just really as, as we pray about this message today and look at God's Word today, who is the Lord in your life? If you, you know, our title for the message today is The Lord Is. And that's an important question to answer for yourself. No matter how young or old you are, who is the Lord to you? The Lord is who in your life? And, and what have you based that, that knowledge on? Uh, because if we went around the street and, you know, and, and, and said, who, who is the Lord? You might get, oh, my Lord is, is the frogs on my porch. I worship them, right? Or, or my Lord is whatever. Uh, uh, you know, some, uh, some guru somewhere. Or, uh, or my, you know, my country or my whatever. You know, it could be anything. And so where does that knowledge come from? And we want to encourage you to really think about your own life because whether you recognize it or not, righteous judgment is coming upon you. And it's coming upon our, 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 our nation and our people in, in, in this world. And, um, and, and who is the Lord to us? And where do we get that knowledge and that wisdom from? And what are you basing your knowledge of, of who God is in your life? Who's in control? Who's the commander-in-chief of your destiny and your life? And truly know that. So let's start off. Stand with me as we read these first seven verses. An oracle concerning Nineveh. The book of the vision of Nahum of Elkush. The Lord is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on His adversaries and keeps wrath for His enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And the Lord will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in whirlwind and storm. And the clouds are the dust of His feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up all the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before Him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before Him. The worlds and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the heat of His anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by Him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in Him. Let's pray together. God, we humbly come before Your Word today. And we ask that You would move in a powerful way to reveal to us our stubborn Assyrian-like hearts, our Ninevite hearts that re rebel against You. God, we come in repentance for our nation. God, in all that we've done to sin against You, to turn against Your Word, to blaspheme Your name, to... Call what is evil good and what is good evil. 
And God, we just pray that Your Word would speak to our hearts. God, that You would call us to repentance as Your children. That You would seek and save the lost today. And God, that You would give us a clear vision and understanding of who You are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you follow along in our sermon notes today, you can fill in the blanks. Uh, They'll be highlighted on the screen. But first of all, who is the Lord in your life? The Lord is who for you? And, And where do you come up with that vision? And a lot of us, um, we're too prideful. And we think too much of, 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 uh, of our own thoughts and ideas. And so one thing that people are very good at is fashioning gods in their own image. From the beginning of time, people began to make their own gods in their own images. Um, it started even with Adam and Eve. Right after they sinned, they try to make their own coverings in leaves. And, uh, and they try to cover themselves in leaves to hide from God what they had done. And that was really the start of the first religion or the first way to try to cover up and make ourselves feel better about our own sin instead of facing God with who we are and what we've done. And so if you're not careful, you may say, oh, I worship the Lord. I worship God, but you've made this God in your own image, and it's not the God of the Bible. And that's why the Bible is so crucial and so central to everything that we are as Christians. Is I don't want to trust you to tell me who God is, and you shouldn't trust me to tell you who God is. You should be trusting in God, in God's holy word. And in reading God's holy word with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, Trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And that's why it's so vital and crucial that we talk about that today. If you're trusting in your own idea of who God is, it may sound great. You may be able to talk about it for hours. You may be convincing. You may be emotional about it. And yet it's still going to take you to hell. Forever separated from God. Because it was a false god. You created it. Or somebody told you to worship that. And they made it sound so good, but it did not line up in Scripture. Know God's Word. And you can know who God is without a doubt. And you can have a real relationship with a living God. And so Nahum tells us first, the Lord is righteously jealous and avenging and wrathful. That's not a popular message today, is it? You don't hear a lot of that with a lot of the, the self-help preaching you might have around the world today. God is jealous and avenging and wrathful. But it's important that we recognize He's righteously so. You may say, oh, well, then I get to be jealous and avenging and wrathful. No, you don't because you're a sinner. And when you do those types of things, you're going to be sinful in those things, but God never is. God is a righteous God. He is a righteous judge. And so Nahum can boldly say that what God is doing against the people of Nineveh is right. 
He is jealous for His own glory. And He is right in bringing vengeance upon those that are in sin, in rebellion against Him. So keep that in mind. Yes, God is love. And how wonderful is it that He loves us so much that He provided a way for us to be saved, to be with Him forever through the blood of His Son. But He is also a jealous God. He is a God that will avenge evil. He is a God that will bring a righteous wrath upon all who rebel against Him. Nahum reminds us the Lord is the one who rights every wrong. Every single wrong. You and I are good at minimizing our sin. My neighbor's sin's pretty bad. They're pretty awful, but my sin, you know, it's just kind of bad. We're really good at that. We're really good at minimizing all those types of things. But God is not going to minimize sin. God is going to right every wrong. Every single one of them. If somebody has wronged you and you are scarred by that and struggling with that, you've got to find hope in that truth that God is going to make that right. God is going to make that right. And if you're somebody that's abusing someone and you're sinning against someone and you think you're getting away with it, you better know you're not. God is going to right every single wrong. And that ought to send shivers down your spine to know the wrath of God is coming for those that don't repent. For those that live in rebellion and mock our Creator, God. God is going to right every wrong. We often minimize that by saying, well, everybody sins. I mean, you sin and I sin and we all sin. And so the idea behind that is sin is no big deal. But when you hear that, as a Christian, you ought to, the, the cross of Jesus Christ ought to come to your mind. And it ought to be, yeah, we are all sin. But think about my Savior on the cross, beaten beyond human recognition, bleeding and dying because of my sin. It is a big deal. It is not something to minimize. It is not something to go, well, you know, we all do it, yeah. We gotta, we gotta think about the Savior. Were it not for the Savior, I would be under the righteous wrath of God, deservingly so, and so would you. Your sin is a big deal. And God is not happy about it. He is not happy about any of our sin. He is going to right every wrong. And Nahum is so describes that in the judgment that came against Nineveh describes exactly, I encourage you to read this prophecy. But thankfully, Nahum tells us in verse 3 that the Lord is slow to anger and great in power. And He will by no means clear the guilty. His way is in the whirlwind and storm and the clouds are the dust of His feet. God will in no way clear the guilty. We, uh, a lot of times, we don't sin because we don't want to get caught. And that's, our, that's the, kind of the motivation behind the whole law, right? Is we're going to create these laws and we're going to enforce these laws and then when we catch people doing the wrong things, we're going to 
punish them with tickets or fine or imprisonment or whatever. And so we would be breaking a lot of those laws, except we don't want to get caught. But that shouldn't be our motive behind, uh, behind our relationship with God. It should be that I don't, I don't want to be in a wrong relationship with God. I don't want to hurt the heart of God. I want to be in right with God. I want to be filled with His Spirit. I want to be walking in His ways. I want His light shining through my life. And that's the reason I don't want to be living in unrepentant sin. That's the reason I don't want to be minimizing my own sin. But aren't we glad that God is not going to, you know, there will be no sin that's going to go unpunished. Either Jesus paid for that sin on the cross or you're going to pay for that sin yourself. That sin is going to be on your back. God will by no means clear the guilty. But thank God He's slow to anger and He is great in power. And today is a day of grace for us. And then it reminds us that the Lord's in control of the whirlwind. He's in control of the storm. He's in control of the clouds and the rivers and all the kingdoms of the earth. God is in control. And that's a wonderful, comforting truth for us to know. There's a whole lot that I don't understand. There's a whole lot that I don't know what's going to happen or what's going on, but I know that God is in control. And I trust Him. I may never understand, but I can trust Him and believe in Him and put all my hope in Him. He goes on to say that He rebukes the sea, makes it dry. That's obviously referring back to uh, to Moses crossing the Red Sea. He dries up the rivers and Bashan and Carmel wither. The bloom of Lebanon withers. The mountains quake before Him. The hills melt. The earth heaves before Him in the world and all who dwell in it. The Lord is so powerful. He is so awe-inspiring that even the mountains quake before Him the world and all who dwell in it. As you read Scripture sometimes, you can think about that, like why the mountain's quaking. Think about the strength. When you see a mountain, you're like, wow. That's amazing. If you, you know, you're really there, it's just amazing to see how majestic and powerful and there's just something about a mountain. And so imagine a mountain quaking before the presence of God, hills melting, the whole earth heaving before God. He is that powerful. He is that awe-inspiring. And it's important that we keep that in mind. Is that who the Lord is in your life? Or have you made your own idol of God who's just your buddy-buddy, your best friend, the man upstairs, the sky fairy, the... The whatever, right? He's just kind of your, your divine slot machine. And when you need something, you're there pulling it, hoping that He's going to bless you with something. Or is He this awe-inspiring, almighty God that even the mountains quake before Him and the earth heaves before Him and all who dwell in it. And then He says in verse 6, 
who can stand before His indignation. Who can stand before His indignation? Who can endure the heat of His anger? His wrath is poured out like fire and the rocks are broken into pieces by Him. The Lord is so enraged at all the injustice and the unrepentant sin in the world that no one can stand before that righteous wrath. Think about rocks. Rocks are strong. You go bang your head against a rock, you're going to lose that battle, aren't you? Some of y'all are pretty hard-headed, but rocks are stronger, aren't they? Rocks are something that's powerful. But in God's righteous wrath, they just become like powder. They'll just become like powder. Nothing can stand against the wrath of the Almighty God. And we as Christians ought to think about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying and His disciples are supposed to be praying for Him, but instead they're asleep. And He is so... It's so intense what He's going through that He's sweating drops of blood. His body is in such stress and shock at what He has to do. And what is He concerned with? It's not the whip of the Roman soldier or the crown of thorns or the betrayal. It's the wrath of God that He is going to suffer as He who knew no sin became our sin on the cross and suffered in our place. Only Christ could stand before God's indignation and rage against sin and suffer perfectly in our place and then be raised to new life. Only God could do that. Only Jesus Christ could do that. And so as we think about all those things, verse 7 is so important because people try to make there's this God of the Old Testament and then there's this God of the New Testament. And we like the God of the New Testament better. There's only one God. There's only one God. And God is good. He's good in the Old Testament. He is good in the New Testament. And it's important that we see there is one God. And that God is good. And He is good in His jealousy. And He is good in His vengeance. And He is good in His wrath. He is a just and a righteous God. For the Lord is good. The Lord is a stronghold in the day of trouble. We can run to the Lord and be saved. The Lord knows those who take refuge in Him. God knows those who take refuge in Him. Have you? Have you truly taken refuge in the Lord? Are you confident about that? Or are you living in the land of make-believe, thinking things are just going to go on like they always have? There's a day of trouble coming for all of us. We live in dying bodies. We live in a world that's cursed by sin. And we need to be ready for that day of trouble. 
for that day when things aren't going to get better, earthly speaking, humanly speaking. There's a day coming for us where we're not going to be able to say, oh, it'll be a brighter tomorrow. No, it won't, humanly speaking. It's not going to get better. Have you taken refuge in the Lord? Are you trusting in Him and walking with Him and ready? Because your hope is eternal. And you're not trusting in a human body. You're trusting in God in a resurrected body. Are you taking refuge in God? First of all, admit to God you're a sinner. You're not just somebody who messes up sometimes. You're a sinner to the core of your being. You're not sort of good and sort of bad. You're all bad. And without the Savior, there's no hope. Repent of your sinfulness, your sinful nature, and turn away from sin. Peter preached that first message at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, and he so clearly presented the Savior Jesus Christ. They were cut to the heart, and they said, What shall we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you repented of your sinfulness, your sinful nature? And then, by faith, have you received Jesus Christ as God's Son? No self-made God is going to help you. No world-made God is going to help you. You've got to know Jesus Christ. He is the only way and the only truth and the only life. And have you by faith received Jesus Christ as God's Son? By faith trusted in Him. Believing that Jesus took the penalty for your sinfulness on the cross. He died for you. 2 Corinthians 5 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Be made right with God. Be in a right relationship with God. For our sake, He, God, made Him to be sin. Jesus, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Through Christ, we receive righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ. And then the most important confession you can make. A lot of times you think confession is just, oh, I just tell God I did this wrong today and I did this wrong. No. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Most importantly, as your Savior and your Lord. He's not just some priest in a box that you talk to. He is the God of heaven and earth. Confess Him as your Savior and your Lord. Romans 8 or 10, 8 through 10. The Word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. You don't just confess, oops God, I'm sorry, I did it again. No, you start to confess, Jesus, you are Lord of my life. You're Lord over my sin and my struggles and my hardships. 
I'm putting all of my hope in all of my trust in you. So admit to God you're sinful. You're a sinner. By faith, receive Jesus Christ as your Son. Accept His gift of forgiveness. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. And then pray. you got to start to talk to God. you got to ask God to save you. You want to take refuge in Him for the rest of your life, for the rest of your days. You want to take refuge in Him. And you can just pray a simple prayer, something like this. It's not about the words, it's about your heart. Pray, God in heaven, thank You for loving me. Although I've sinned and fallen short of Your glory, I confess my sin. And I need You to forgive and save me. From this day forward, I promise to turn away from sin and daily fight against my sinful nature through Your saving power. On this day, and you can put the date there, I place my faith in Jesus Christ as my Savior and my Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. You've got to start with some sort of prayer in your life that connects you to God, that you just, you know, you remind yourself, I have placed my faith in Jesus and there's no turning back. I am following Him regardless of what the world does. And then we've got to persevere. We've got to persevere. And so if you're somebody that's following Jesus Christ, you admitted, you've trusted, you've confessed, you've prayed, you've talked to Him, then you're in that perseverance stage where you've got to keep on going. How do you know you're saved? You're persevering. You haven't given up. You haven't turned against the Lord. If you turn against the Lord, I don't know. Right? I don't know if you're saved. Hopefully you are. But if you want to have a knowledge of salvation, I'm following the Lord. Every day of my life, I continue to follow the Lord by building up my faith in Christ, by praying in the Holy Spirit, by keeping myself in the love of God. And I live waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Look at those verses in Jude 17. Or one, there's only one chapter, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you in the last time, there will be scoffers following their ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire to others show mercy with fear, hating even the garments stained by the flesh. Listen to this, now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling. God is all-powerful. He is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of His glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now forever. Amen. Persevere. 
That's the challenge for all of us as believers. Not to grow lukewarm. Not to grow apathetic. Which leads to us being pathetic. But to persevere in the Lord. To keep praying in the Spirit. To not give up. And to be passionate about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As we close our service today, if you're here and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is drawing you to salvation, we encourage you to come forward, look at that prayer and pray and seek God for salvation. And then it's an opportunity right now to make that public and to say, today I'm turning to the Lord. Or if you're a believer and you're struggling with perseverance and you need to pray for perseverance today, come forward and let us pray with you. But most importantly, as we close, let's worship. Let's pray for our nation and pray for the lost all around us in Walnut Springs. And let's seek God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. Let's stand together today.